Welcome to the Every Day is Saturday podcast. The number one motivation show on the planet. No more Mondays for you. It's time to make every day Saturday. Boom! This is the podcast where we help you to accept who you are, not where you are. On the roller coaster of life, you know we only sit in the front seat champion. So make sure you are fastened in. Let's go. Tired of feeling run down all the time during the week? We can help you make every day feel like it's a Saturday. Let's go pack your bags. It's time to leave Averageville. Introducing the man who thinks abnormal stands for above normal. When you're on fire, people will travel from miles around to watch you burn, baby. We are fired up. The host of the Every Day is Saturday show, Sam Crowley. Hello, champion, and welcome back to the Everyday Saturday podcast. Got a great interview for you today. Uh, Stephanie Stevens. Stephanie is one of our gold mastermind podcasting members. So I thought it'd be great to bring her out here to talk about the power of communication. Uh, she is a uh, well-versed in communication, been in the broadcasting business for a long, long time. Super interesting lady. Also has a passion, is a huge advocate for autism. Uh, we talk about all of that. Uh, you know, her being a mom, her being an entrepreneur, a business owner, teaching the art of communication. Um, man, we covered a lot in this interview. So you are going to love this content. Uh, the conversation that I had with Stephanie, I think you're going to find her interesting as well as empowering. And uh, here you go, very inspiring. So without further ado, here's my interview with Stephanie Stevens. Hi, right, everybody. Welcome back to the Everyday Saturday Podcast. Sam Crowley here with my guest, uh, Stephanie Stevens. Uh, Stephanie, I met uh, in the spring of this year, and she came into our podcasting uh, mastermind. Now she's a gold podcast member, which sounds really fancy as well. Uh, what a journey, though. I want to chat with Stephanie about her podcast, about her message. She's also an entrepreneur. She's a business owner. Uh, she has a lot of plates spinning in the air, so we'll probably talk to Stephanie a little bit about how she's able to manage that. Stephanie, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, this is going to be awesome uh, because we don't hear enough from, at least in my opinion, everyday men and women out there that are just doing the work. You know, they're just doing the work. You know, you're a mom, you're a business owner, but yep. you got this fancy thing now called a podcast that you go <laughs> into in 2023. Uh, tell us the name of it and what's it about and the mission with that message as well. Sure. So the podcast name is the Stephanie Stevens Show Podcast. Super original, but there's a there's a method behind you know the madness, and it really is that I, for a very long time, was in radio, and had a career in radio. Started off way 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 back in television, and then moved into radio. And so I didn't want to pigeonhole myself into a specific title for a specific genre because I really want to talk about so many various things. I've lived a lot of life in my, I won't say how many decades, but in my handful of decades. And so there's a lot that I want to be able to offer and encourage other people in. Um, communications is one of them. So this particular podcast and how I've launched now is really about communication and finding freedom through communication, because I really do believe that communication in its various forms is the key to freedom in every area of life. So that's the tagline. You know, communication, the key that unlocks freedom to every area of your life. And it doesn't matter if it's written communication, verbal communication, interpersonal, mass communication. There's artistic forms of communication, and then there's the biggie. 
that people don't think much or talk about, and that's nonverbal communication. Yeah. And most of our communication is nonverbal. So I, I love this. I love teaching people how to tap into their specific voice, both inner voice and then also external voice and how to share it and keep expanding, keep influencing others, keep reaching, getting their own message out. Yeah, I love that. It, which which is a, the follow up question I got is how did you choose communication? Like, when did you get into the oh. business? Where did you first start? Or did it choose you? I mean, yeah. how did you even get started in this in this it's area? It's so interesting when I think, I'll tell you the, the backstory. I really think very, very early on in my life, I, I don't believe I felt heard. I didn't feel heard as a very small child. That's nobody's fault. It could be my own perception, right? Perception is reality. So I, I never felt <clears throat> really heard or that I had much of a voice. And I, I just recall being a teenager and my dad asking me at one point, what is inside of you that you think you want to pursue later in life? And I said, I don't know. And so he had us do this journaling exercise. And oh. what kept on coming, kept on coming, kept on coming was to, to inform people, to encourage people and inform people you know, in a, in a very large capacity or the masses. So at 16 years old, I think I made the decision to get into broadcasting because oh. I thought, you know, I've got a voice. By that time, um, Sam, I had already been asked to be a guest, a teenage guest host um, to offer perspective on teenage life on uh, the Dawson McAllister live show, which was a national radio show. And here I was at 16, barely able to drive to the studio on my own. And I was already on national radio. And so I thought there's something here. So I decided to go to college to pursue communications. I did uh, have a degree in communications, also in political science. So as I was graduating college, I thought, I'm going to take the world by storm. I am definitely going to be uh, a political analyst. I'm going to do stand-ups yeah. in front of the White House and I'm going to change the world. So I started down that road. I actually did stand-ups in front of the White House. I worked in TV for a um, couple of years. And then I realized that I would really only ever be reading a script. Mm. I would not be sharing any good. And it was going to be mostly bad. <laughs> it was, was yeah. going to be mostly bad, mostly discouraging. And guess what? It might not even be true. So I made a decision when I was in television news and I worked in national news that uh, once I had my oldest son, whose name is Sam, um, I, my, my perspective on everything changed. And I thought, I cannot in good conscience go in front of small audiences, let alone lar large audiences, and share bad news. I can't do it. I can't do it. So I took some time off, went home with my baby, and almost si simultaneously, I was offered a radio gig with a talk show. And that really opened the door to kind of talk radio, sharing ideas. And then it moved into um, larger platforms and radio from there. That's pretty wild. Yeah, I got a daughter who graduated with a communications degree at University of Cincinnati last year. Um, I think communication, I mean, obviously, you know, being a podcaster and a speaker is paramount. I tell my kids a lot like your father did. That's pretty wild that you've got to be able to communicate. Yeah. Um, What's going to separate you in this world is your ability to deliver a message, whether that is to a client, to your boss, to a friend, you know, being able to communicate. That's why it just drives me insane when my kids abbreviate. And I, I just had this conversation with my daughter. I go, 
she said, when we, me and me and my wife were coming to visit, she said, when are you guys coming? And instead of writing out R A R E, she just put the letter R <laughs> and I'm like, and I dove and that's the only thing I focused on. And I, and I go, why are you typing the letter R instead of just, she goes, yeah, that's what he does drives me. It shouldn't drive me bonkers, but it's all around that communication in an LOL, TTYL world of just this abbreviated version of the English language that we absolutely butcher to begin with. Now taking it to, uh, does that have any, do you, and I, this isn't even this is my question. So this is mine for you. Does that stuff drive you bonkers or not? Drives me nuts because I don't know what half of it means. TTYL, XYZ, ABC. I have no, what are you saying to me? Is yeah. this a yes or a no? Can you just say yes, no? Even a thumbs up, thumbs down works. I don't know the abbreviations and a lot of people do it. It does drive me nuts. But but it also speaks to the culture and why I believe now more than ever before, it is imperative to help facilitate communication, to teach people to communicate. Part of communication is listening. Do we do that very often? Are we engaged in level one listening or are we listening for the very thing we're going to take and launch off into our own tirade or story or, you know, whatever the case may be. But the, the, I'm the same with my kids. I, uh, I really encourage, I'll use that word, encourage, yeah. um, timely communication. <laughs> yeah. Timely communication and clear. I'm always clear. Clarity, please. Not sure what this means. Yes, no, tomorrow, today, what are we doing? So, yep. Yeah. It's a thing and it's a, it's a cultural thing and it's a, it's a sort of a generational thing too. Yeah, no, it is for sure. So, all right, back to the radio broadcasting, cause that's intriguing. Uh, I, I don't know a lot of people that got into radio. I don't know a lot of people that got into TV. It's a very, uh, nichified space and not everybody gets in front of a television camera. You know, a lot of people try, um, well, not everybody gets on a radio station. I mean, how, I can't say, can I say how old were you when you first started in radio? Cause it, yeah. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna csi and dive in we're, we're gonna find out that age before the end of the podcast but like how old were you when you got into radio and was it intimidating because a microphone when you put a microphone in somebody and you hit re and that red light goes on it changes people you know were you intimidated when you first got started or were you like oh no this is what i was always meant to do and i'm a natural and this is going to be great such a great question so 16 was my first interface with with radio, but I was around broadcasting or much earlier on because my father worked in radio broadcasting. Oh, okay. He had a company that helped uh, st radio stations do nonprofit fundraising events. So I was around it. I was around microphones. I, I, it, I was used to the equipment. It wasn't intimidating. Sitting in front of a microphone wasn't necessarily intimidating either. I'll tell you what is eyeballs on me. Yep. So some people, you know, you're right, they freeze with the microphone. And I remember doing radio events and uh, doing live radio events in radio stations and in studios. And the minute, you know, you'll have a conversation like we are now, and then you'll take that microphone and you'll, you'll say, and so da-da-da, you'll ask the same question and put the mic up there. And it's just, uh, everybody freezes and paralyzes and this, their stress response, nervous response kicks in and they start to sweat and they don't know what to say. So... Fortunately, because I was exposed early on, it wasn't quite as intimidating. And one of the things I learned early on by some of the most incredible radio broadcasters in the country was, it's me and you. It's just me and you. Mm. There aren't millions. It's me 
and the one listener in his or her car or in his or her office right here, right now. It's, I'm always ever only talking to you. Now, I've been on, been on platforms where there are millions of listeners countrywide, and yet it's about her yeah, or about him in that moment. And yeah. that, I think that that's what makes a more, that's what makes easy listening. It, back in the day, um, it used to be a thing to say, well, folks, you know, or you'd go to a song and then you'd say, we're back. Yeah, yeah. We're back from where? You know, <laughs> did you just land from Mars? Where did you go while the song was playing? What do you mean you're back? Did you go to the restroom? Did you get a drink of water? You know, so there's all these old school things that, you know, have hopefully slowly phased out over the course of time. But I also then over the, over the years, after I had about, you know, 18, 20 years under my belt in radio, I started coaching talent and helping them get into that space of effectively, efficiently communicating and then just doing the authentic me, you. It's just me and you. Yeah. I like that. That's fair. Cause so many people get intimidated by not just a microphone, even, you know, talk about our kids when our kids got to get up in front of class and give a presentation, you know, sweating, oh. nervous and stuttering and, uh, yeah. learn. I mean, you've seen the, the stats that most people would rather face death than face an audience. And, um, no. I get it. I think we've all been there. Um, I didn't know your oldest son. Maybe you told me this name was Sam. So that's, yes. Cool. Uh, I want to talk about your second child. <laughs> Tell us about your second child. Uh, when he was born and how that progressed, because I know that's a huge passion of yours now. Oh, it is. Yeah. Um, my I call him my earth angel. His name is Benjamin. And he has a diagnosis. So early on when Ben was born, it, Sam and Ben were born about 15 months apart. Some people like to call them Irish twins. Yep. Um, so here, here we were with this brand new baby, a toddler. And um, he was developing really neurotypically, normally. Same, same kind of little milestones, same beginning words. I think he was actually one of his first words, believe it or not. I don't know if I should be proud of this, but it was ice cream. He'd say, I came, you know, the cutest little voice. Yeah. He could say, da, da, mama. He was progressing nicely. Then between the milestone of the 15 month and the 18 month marker, I started to see some really strange things. Less response, less words. Um, often uh, sort of staring off into space and um, thought this is really, this is really bizarre. So, so at about 18 months, I took him to the pedi uh, um, pediatrician and asked, you know, what do we think is going on here? Now, remember, now this is the mid to late 90s. Yeah. And so she said, boy, I don't know, let's do an audio test because she was trying to get his attention in the office as well and clap and make noises and she couldn't garner his attention. So we, we went to the audiologist, found out he processes about nine frequencies that the typical ear, brain, can't process. So he hears on a level none of us are really used to hearing. So that obviously wasn't the problem. The long story short uh, um, is we did end up going through an assessment for autism and found out that he had autism spectrum disorder. That's what it was called back in the day. And I'll share something with you on the front end of that. Um, my sister kept on saying, you know, Steph, I wonder if he's got autism. And the first time she said that, I was so angry. Yeah. And I was so, how, what, where would you get something like that? That's ridiculous, absurd. Uh, it just, it stirred me up. It really, it really bothered me because I thought to myself, there's no cure for that. And 
I don't, I don't know how to handle that. Yeah. What would I do with that? Right. Um, it's a very helpless feeling. So I poo-pooed her and, and thought she was ridiculous for a little while until we went to the audiologist, found out that wasn't really had no choice but to go down this road of assessment. Mm-hmm. And at that point, then he was assessed and diagnosed. And I don't call him autistic. Um, I don't even say he has autism because the truth is, Sam, it's really hard to pick. When we say people have autism, what we're saying is they're just exhibiting a series of symptoms that present in a certain way. We really don't know a ton other than it's a neurological disorder. It's not a mental illness. It's a neurological or developmental cognitive disorder. So at that point, went down the road after diagnosis of slamming headfirst into treatments. Mm. And that was a whole nother lifetime of just searching and trial and error and wow, a life consuming process for a while. Yeah. Is that so? So when Ben was in grade school and uh, how old is he now, by the way? He just turned 26 last week. 26. Wow. (laughs) 26. And excuse my ignorance. That's why I have you on the show, because I I really want to learn more. So I I excuse my ignorance on this topic. But was he in traditional school, homeschool, virtual school? How did you navigate the the real formative years of elementary, primary, high school, things like that? Right. So what I opted to do, and there are many pathways, and I do talk about this to some degree on my podcast as well. I opted for the therapeutic route because I had read a ton saying there are these things called best outcome scenarios where you can get in there and get into their neuroplasticity really early and really intensively. You can teach their brain to learn in new ways. And I knew some kids who had actually lost their diagnosis of autism as a result of this very, very early intensive behavioral therapy. At the time, it was called IEBT, and I actually spent time legislating for funding for IEBT in my state. So intensive early behavioral therapy. So we did this, but what it entails is all day, every day, therapy. Mm. And you're literally teaching the brain, uh, creating a baseline um, skill by which to build on. And the very first skill we had to teach Ben was to make eye contact because if we could get him to make eye contact, we could get him to mimic us. And if we could get him to mimic us, do this, do this, do this, then we could get him to maybe start to mimic language or sounds or word formations or mouth formations. That's, that was literally the pathway to teaching kids with autism, new skills, and even how to communicate verbally. We even, we even taught him some nonverbal communication and sign language in the beginning too, just to try to help him have a mode of communication. Because what breaks my heart the most about those diagnosed with autism and related conditions is it's almost to some degree like being in a prison. There's so much language processing issues that we've got some very brilliant, high IQ'd boys and girls, men and women in bodies that are constantly betraying them because their sensory systems are on overload and they can't get the language processed from their brain out. And it's, it's, um, it can become very frustrating. And then we see behaviors as a result of the levels of frustration for the inability to communicate. So that's the road we went down. It included having therapists in my home 
day after day, every day, stepping over our dirty laundry, kind of becoming a, a part of the landscape in our home. And our home then, you know, your home is no longer your own at that point. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a it's a lot of it's a lot of sort of yielding to the process for a handful of years. Then I uh, launched what's called the Lazarus Project uh, with another woman and several families, and that was going to be one of the first therapeutic centers in the state to actually give the families a little bit of respite by doing about five hours of therapy in a center based, uh, you know, environment every day and and that launched me into a whole new genre of advocacy and help with therapeutics for young kids and families. And through all of this, you're still navigating a career. You're a wife and you have four children. So like my, my brain goes to how, because we have people listen to the podcast. All right. We have at home mom, single mom, single dad, corporate executive, people like that. And they're like, man, I, I got way, I, I can't handle this. I mean, I've been dealt whatever this hand is that's not traditional, not normal in my mind. Right. How the hell am I supposed to even put one foot in front of the other when I wake up? How are you navigating marriage, career, business? And also, you said you just turned your home into uh, an open invite for therapists to come in and try to help. That's a, that's a lot to say grace over. How'd you navigate it? Um, not well, not well for a period of time. I, I was used to kind of juggling a lot of balls anyway, um, trying to raise my own kids and then also navigate a career, which I had for the most part, when Ben was diagnosed, I really released a lot of that and I had to find a new way to make money. Mm. And that came in the form of, of traveling and doing these on air fundraising events, which would put me out of town for a couple of days a month, but then the rest of the month I could be at home. So I was able to make as, you know, as much leaving for a couple of days and having at the time my husband and family help with the kids and just, you know, knock a week out of work and then be home the rest of the time. All of that to say when I, there was a day, I'll never forget it, when I had been in a little classroom setting along with Sam, my oldest, and I was gonna go into the radio station to work for a few hours. I got a phone call from the uh, care facility. It was a little Montessori school. They were there for about four hours, a couple days a week. Um, I got a call and the woman said, Benjamin is locked in the bathroom and he's upset and we can't seem to get him out. Well, at that point in time, a million questions went through my mind like, how does the bathroom door lock from the inside? You have small children. Anyway, I, my mind raced and I started to panic knowing he doesn't have a way to communicate. He's probably terrified and I need to get to him immediately. Left the station, left everything as it was, got into my car and started to speed toward the Montessori school. On the way there, on the way there I had the worst, well, I had my first panic attack. Mm. And it was, I'll just never forget it. It was so scary. And I didn't know what was going on. And I thought I was dying. I thought I was having a heart attack. I thought I was dying. I remember being on the highway and looking off. There's a big box store off on one of the exits. And I thought, if I can just make it into that parking lot, and if I die, um, then at least I'll have my wallet out with my ID. Somebody will find me. You know, they'll find my information and they'll go, 
get my kids. I mean, this is when you're in a state of panic and your brain is only looking to survive in that moment because all of the stresses responses are on high alert. That's what those, those are the ways in which you think. Mm. And, um, I remember seeing that exit and I thought, no, I can make it. I can make it one more exit. I'll be that much closer. I had the windows down. I was praying to Jesus help me. I mean, you name it. I was doing it. And uh, when I made it to the Montessori, I just scooped my kids up. I left. I went home. I called my mom and I said, I almost died. I don't know what's going on. I have a huge problem. Something's happening to me. And she came over and she knew exactly what it was. And that then, Sam, launched this almost 10 years of dealing with panic and anxiety disorder diagnosed with panic attacks. And then, of course, because I was trying to hold so much the, the weight of the world on my shoulders, I had adrenal fatigue and all sorts of physical things that came along with trying to do everything I was doing. Listen, I was doing it. Nobody knew. Yeah. I was Nobody just knew. Anybody notice on the outside. Not a person, not a soul. In fact, I used to have people say to me, how do you do it? How mm. are you doing it? And every time somebody would say that, I would get a surge of anxiety because I knew, number one, I don't know if I'm supposed to be doing all of this. But number two, what the hell is my choice? What's my choice? Yeah. Do you have another option for me? <laughs> Tell me my options. Do I go curl up in a ball in the corner and cry? I mean, I'll do that. Don't get me wrong. I'll do that when everyone's in bed and the lights are out. Yeah. But what are on a day to day functionality basis? What are my options? I didn't really have any at the time. So I kept firing on all four cylinders, burning my body out, you know, and, you know, burning out my adrenals and just wearing myself down. And um, yeah, that lasted for probably far too long. But I'll tell you what, having been through all of that, I am so grateful it's hard to say you're grateful for yes. the suffering, you know, that, that you went through. But I'm grateful that I can identify with what anxiety looks like or panic disorder and all of those things because very few people, unless you've experienced that, you can't identify. People used to say things to me like, just think about something else. Think about something positive. Okay, okay. why didn't I think of that? Well, okay. Yeah. Perfect. Problem solved. The brain and the body doesn't allow you to. Everything is on high alert. All stress responses, you know, all of the hormones and the organs attached are firing all of that adrenaline and cortisol all the time, you know, ra just rapid fire. So it's really, it's not, it's not how it works. It's a process to sort of decompress. It's a process to pull those systems and processes down and then create a brand new baseline for yourself. And that took years. But now I can help others. You know, now I've got a platform to work from. I get it. Been there. Done it. Yeah, it totally sucks. You are coming through it, though, and there's another side to it. There's a through the tunnel to the, yeah. to the right side. Yeah, that's pretty wild, man. I mean, I think we all have our crash and burn moment in life. Um, yeah. Several of them. I don't I, I, if yep. you if you don't, you're, I don't think you're trying. I mean, if you can fog a mirror, <laughs> if you have a pulse, you're going to have those types. Maybe not yeah. a panic attack, maybe not anxiety driven, although you know, I, I can't say I've had that particular moment many times. I've, I've wondered, oh, my God, I'm I'm like short of breath. Like you don't know when the bills are going to get paid. Uh, where's the yep. money coming in from? Are your kids safe? I mean, those types of moments and things like that. But now, you know, you've always kind of I, I know a little bit about Stephanie now. Uh, she had a platform, but now you've got this podcast and 
I don't know, like I'm, I'm not trying to connect dots or anything like this, but you have been, and by the way, I wanted to ask this follow-up question before I go into the next one. What's, what's everyday life look for Ben now at the age of 26? Well, I have a program I created. I created a company with a business partner of mine. We've worked together on and off over the years. We've both sat on boards of directors, on advocacy groups. Um, and so her and I, when our both of our sons turned let's see, 21, because that's when the therapeutic portion ends, really, for these kids. So they can be in therapeutic schools um, all the way up until the age of 21, and then they kind of get released into the world, and the state just basically says, have, have a good life. Mm-hmm. And we knew there was nothing viable that we wanted for our sons. We were going to need to create it. So we created this program and this company that we now have three locations for, soon to expand to a fourth. And uh, it provides community support services for young adults with autism and also related conditions. So not just autism specifically, but also other types of developmental disabilities or disorders. I don't like the word disabilities. And then also, you know, cognitive delays, et cetera. So our teams take them out and about every day from 8 a.m. to 4 p.m. And they do recreational activities. They do a ton of volunteer activities. They do music classes, cooking classes, art classes, you name it. I mean, they're, they're out engaged in the community all day in, you, in teams and groups. You, so you start a business, um, yeah. no offense, but you're a communication and a poli-sci major. How, right. how do you have, like you've got three locations opening <laughs> fourth. That's business finance background. How did you even start that? That's pretty wild. Huh. So first the conversation uh, what are we going to do? And I remember it was so funny because my business partner, when we were talking about it, she was leaving the, the place she was a CEO at, which was an autism school. And she called me on the phone and she's like, oh, oh what, what do we do now? And I said, you know what we need to do. And she said, no, I'm going to go be a flight attendant. <laughs> and I said, she was joking. I'm like, yeah, wouldn't that be grace? But you're not. Yeah. We, we have no choice. We have no choice. We are we are called into this for such a time as this. And I'll tell you the truth, how we did it, trial and error. I would go to the radio station and I would sit on my computer in between talk segments and I would research, research, research. And at first, you know, you had to go through the state, get the, the name, register, all of that. And then there's these huge spider webs of uh, Department of Human Services and states and counties and contracts and service agreements and authorizations. And it takes a lot to actually qualify for a license for this type of work. But as miracles would have it with a, with a poli-sci, you know, and a communications, and she had a law degree and had practiced early, early, early on before her autism advocacy years. So the two of us had the credentials, so to speak, to actually procure the licensure. And then from there it was, hi, Google, how do you da 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 Seriously, you just got on Oh, Google. my gosh. We did. I, I mean, we knew a thing or two. Well, we were, first of all, we're fast learners. We were willing to learn. Um, we went to other, went to another woman in the, our community who had a similar type of organization. We sat down for hours with her and had coffee and wondered if we could all partner together, wondered if we didn't end up doing that because hers is a teeny, a bit of a different genre than ours, but we learned a lot from her. 
We learned what we want to do, what we didn't want to do. And then the rest was making phone calls to the state, making phone calls to the Department of Human Service, making phone calls. What do we need to do too? And to launch, and, and I'll tell you what, um, I'm a pretty efficient, in other words, when I sit down to do something, I just do it. Yep. I get it done. Um, and so she's the same way. So we really both sort of put our mind, minds to it and just today we're going to do this. Today we're going to work on counties. Tomorrow we're going to work on, you know, um, licensure. Friday we're going to start looking at buildings and and find out how much it's going to cost to lease, how much gonna, it's going to cost to run, what do we need in terms of finances to be able to actually launch this baby. And then, Sam, from a financial standpoint, I mean, here's really the miracle of it all. We put in just about zero. We Now, our blood, sweat, and tears are worth to infinity and beyond, right? Yeah. But we already we had parents who were so excited about having their kids in this program that they were more than willing to seed us um, non-interest bearing loans to launch. Mm. And again, that was the beauty of being in a community where there was a need. We knew we were going to be able to fill the need. We knew we were going to be able to do it in a very unique way. And others others saw the vision and bought in. Now, we had our investors paid off within the first six months because that was our intention. And we did. We didn't make a lot personally on our, on, um, you know, individually um, in those first six months, but we were perfectly fine with that. I was still doing my radio gig. You know, I was doing the, the juggling yeah. act. Um, and I, I do talk about one of these issues on my podcast and the idea that I don't, for me, there wasn't balance. Balance has really never been a thing. I kind of think balance is bogus. I love the idea of harmony. There are times in life where you are going to just go and and you're going to put a ton of time, energy, and effort into a thing. And these things will have to, to, to come down a little bit while this thing comes up and you spend more attention. But then at some point when this thing is working really, really well, then you can bring that down and you can elevate another area of your life and really focus in and pay attention to that. But I don't know if balance is possible when you've got a really tight time frame and a really strong vision. Yeah. That's just my theory. That's incredible passion. I mean, that's the passion that pulls, I think, everybody through because if you weren't as passionate as you were with, with every right to be, um, none of that would have got going, you know, because you were just so dialed. Like, you needed to find the solution. So, you know, if there's no solution, create one, which is a nice bumper sticker. I mean, that's nice yeah. to say. But actually doing it, um, you know, you've you know, you've referenced a few episodes on your podcast and getting to that, when you launched this podcast back in the spring of this year of 2023, what was the goal of launching the Stephanie Stevens show? By the way, plug for Stephanie. We'll talk about how to get how to connect with her at the end of the show as well. But if it's if you're checking anywhere you get downloads, anywhere you get podcasts from just type in Stephanie Stevens or the Stephanie Stevens show. You can find our podcast there and subscribe. What was the goal a few months back when you first launched? Has it changed at all? What are your thoughts on this new podcasting platform that you're now on getting your message out there? Who's the audience for? Why are you doing it? And has what, when you first got started, you didn't have a podcast. Has that vision changed at all? Or are you still zeroed in on the same place you were a few months back and who needs to hear it? Like, why are you doing it? Yeah. Why am I doing it? I'll take that question first. Um, years ago, when I was still working for other people in radio, a friend of mine who was in radio said to me, you, you have been through a lot of stuff. And, and again, 
single mom, uh, raising four kids, one with special needs, doing this, doing that, doing this, doing that. She's like, dude, you need a podcast. Yeah. I was like, I don't podcast. I, that would be great. But I don't know the first thing about it. And she really encouraged me. This was, again, years ago. And I, I just wasn't very familiar with the space. I thought it was a great idea because then I could really own creatively what it was that I was distributing. The content, the message, the passion, the heart, you name it. I could own it instead of working for somebody else. And there are limitations to working you know, for others. We all know that to some degree. Um, and so I, I noodled it. I thought about it. And I just didn't have the tools or the resources. I just didn't. And, and I had no help. So that went back onto the back burner. Now that my business is up and running and um, we've got it to a place where it's it doesn't need me in there every day, you know, fixing things, doing things. I'm not in the trenches anymore because we've got a great team in place now. Now I can take a breath and step back. And I wanted another creative outlet. This This thing of communication lives on the inside of me. And, and helping people with special needs is also a passion. So having, like I said, the harmony, right? Having, having their strings focused in this direction for a handful of years to get it up and running, I was feeling the loss of the winds, yeah. you know, for example, um, or the percussions. I was feeling the need to really, I got some stuff to say, and I think I might have some things that might encourage other people. How can I do that without going back to working for somebody else? The podcast was the total, absolute no-brainer solution. So it, this podcast is for everybody because it's going to touch every area of, of life and the things that I've experienced and things that many people experience. Marriage, divorce, parenting, being broke, having much, um, feeling desperate, being depressed, feeling anxiety and anxious, feeling like you're on the top of the world, um, you know, you name it, launching a business, um, there's just so much, there's so much there that a lot of people can experience. And also I'll, I'll let you in on this little secret. I worked in Christian radio circles for a very, very long time. It's not super popular to be a single mom in Christian radio mm. because the taglines for all the stations were family friendly. Well, here was my family, me, my kids, that's yeah. my family. Yeah. And that is a family. And so I wanted to also encourage people, and I also I had a sneaking suspicion that despite the fact that management and ownership didn't want to acknowledge this, the reality is I was more common than the family they were speaking to. Mm-hmm. Like I knew good and well, probably at least half of our audience was single or had been at one point in time and was remarried or something like that. So I knew there was an audience and a, a point of communication, a point of authenticity that was missing that I could touch. I could reach them and touch them and support them. And we could have a real, true, authentic connection in what our families look like in this period of time. So it's for everybody, especially people who want to really dive deep into tools for communication, wiser, more efficient, true, vetted, accurate, timely communication, writing, verbal, nonverbal, or in an artistic form. And there are many, dance, you know, sculpture, the performing arts, the, the standing arts. There's so much that yeah. I do. I want to help people get to the place where they can speak efficiently and they can speak their truth and they can do it in a way that is well-received. Yeah. Now, with that, <clears throat> with that, do you have a plan now you've got from 
your brick and mortar business, you have a fourth location opening up. That's amazing. Um, you're a better person than I, cause I, not only am I psychologically unemployable, I've learned I can't have employees <laughs> either. So I'm no good being the boss or having a boss. So congratulations to you for doing <laughs> that. Act. Um, is there, with the Stephanie Stevens show or Stephanie Stevens brand, now you've got your own platform. Are there any plans down the road to monetize that, um, any services, any products in your vision right now, uh, maybe in the next six, 12, 18 months that, okay, I've got this podcast, I've got this platform, I've got this brand I'm building on my own. Where do you want to take that? Is that a, is that a monetizable, uh, idea yet? Probably. Yeah. Um, for sure it will be soon. I just am diving now into brainstorming exactly what that'll look like. I've come up with something thanks to you and your w wisdom. Uh, it's called the voice method. Mm -hmm. And I'll start to unpack that slowly on my podcast. And it's really going to get into first the victory over inner communication errors. Yeah. E-O-I-C-E. And we're going to deal with inner voice, how imperative it is to get that inner voice clear and straight in order to effectively, efficiently, and powerfully communicate externally. So, so I'm definitely going to be diving into that on the podcast, but also I am really excited about launching um, a mastermind or some type of usable, yeah. user-friendly product that somebody can download, listen to, go through the different steps and processes to clean up some of this stuff internally and then externally as well. So that's a long answer to the short question, yes. Eventually, there will be some things that I can offer the audience that are, is really tangible and specific to them. Yeah. No, I like it. I mean, you know, it doesn't need to happen today. But I, I just I always love to hear the vision from podcasters of I'm going to find my voice, which you're doing right now, teach others how to find their own voice, which is awesome. And then down the road, when I'm ready, you know, to monetize this idea, I'll be ready for it. You're no stranger to be yeah. able to monetize things. So there's no there's no rush to get that done. I think it's a great vision to have at your pace because a lot of podcasters get started like, great, I've got five downloads. How do I make money with this? I'm like, hey, <laughs> exactly. hold on, hold yeah. on. So okay. here's an interesting fact you do not know about Stephanie. I got to ask you about this Mrs. Minnesota thing. Okay. <laughs> because again, total naive. I didn't know that. I knew there was a miss of all of these pageants, but I was unaware that there is a Mrs. going on yeah. in these states as well. So you're Mrs. Minnesota 2017. Do I have that right so far? Did I at least get yes. that part right? Yes. Okay. You got it right. Where was the where was the idea? How did that come to play? Because again, let me just remind you of your journey, okay? Four kids, mom, business owner, career, and a million other things going on. What the hell were you thinking? You want to take one more thing on and do Mrs. Minnesota? I, we, our audience needs to hear this. Okay. Yeah. I asked myself that question often. What, what the hell were you thinking? <laughs> I asked myself that about a lot of things. However, in this case, it is so funny because when I was a kid, I saw these pageants come on the television. And I remember being at my grandparents' house and sitting in their bedroom in front of their, I, I think it wasn't even a color TV at the time. I'm not that old. I just think in their bedroom, they didn't have a color TV. Understood. Color TV had been invented. <laughs> had been invented. That's good. It okay. had been invented. It was a thing. I just think, I just remember seeing these girls in this pageant and marveling. Like, they're like, 
the, they're like the the queen of something. I don't know what, but they're wow, it's so amazing and interesting. But I also intuitively knew very early on, listening at five and six and seven years old, this must really be about how they look because what they're saying yeah. can be kind of very bizarre and strange and not so clear, not so concise. We've all seen those all of those clips of pageants where the answers are like, huh? Uh-huh. Are you exactly or are you speaking? Are you still speaking English or did you hear the are you answering a different question from five minutes ago? Because that has nothing to do with what you were just asked. So I remember seeing that and having zero desire or even like for this thing called pageants. I could tell pretty early on it was very objectifying and I didn't I didn't like that. I thought women should be um, honored for what they bring to the table, for their value, for their minds, of course, their inner and outer beauty, but, but, but for their incredible contribution. And so I just psh, never, never was of interest then. And, and, and I, I was married. I've been married twice. It was so fun. The first time I decided to do it again for a second time. So at the time I was married and, um, I had a friend who had been a title holder in a state. And we were having a conversation one day and she said, you need to do this. And I laughed in her face. I said, that's absurd. I would never do that. I'm not a pageant girl. I don't even believe in pageants. They're silly and ridiculous. Why? She's like, listen, hear me now. I promise you, if you did this and you won, it would open doors for your platform and this autism advocacy that you would never imagine. She said, it will put you on stages that your radio career would never put you on. I promise. I guarantee it. I guarantee it. It's like, for real? Seriously? No. Yeah. She, and she kept challenging me. And finally, I thought, if there's even partial truth to what she says, that I could now start being introduced to new areas and really w raise awareness to this adult autism thing, it might be worth it. And so I, find, I, just, I was like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I'm doing this. Fine, yeah. I'll do it. But I'll tell you what, Sam, when I decided to do it, the day I made the decision... I made the decision that I was going to do it to win. Oh yeah, every category. There you go. Now that Fitness, now, now the competitive Stephanie comes that's out. That's it. I go. wasn't doing it to make friends. I wasn't doing it for the experience. I was going to do it to win, and I was going to win every category. I was going to win the media category. The interview, both on stage and judges interview, I was going to win the fitness and I was going to win the evening gown. Now I opted to be in the international pageant system because. There was no part of me that was going to prance around in a bikini. Zero. What they have in that particular system instead is a fitness portion where you have to exhibit your fitness, you know, your levels of fitness and physical, you know, I don't know. Um, it's, it is partially based on appearance, but it's more about your muscle tone. It's almost more like a fitness competition. Yeah. So your fitness acumen and, and, you know, what are you doing in the gym and things like that. So during that portion, you come out and... I work, I did, I did everything to win. I mean, I worked with a great trainer. I was in physically fit competition form. I worked with a pageant coach that taught me how to walk in high heels, which I had never done at 5'11". I had literally never walked in heels before. So I had to work with this woman to learn how to literally hold my weight on the top of my two legs with pencils holding me up. Off of the <laughs> I'm just so, laugh. How how right, long are we talking about? Like how long did all this coaching and pre preparation go on for? Like six, well, six months, six to what is it six months? Six to eight months. Yeah. Yeah. 
within a year. But I tell you, when, if, when, you know, when I put my mind into doing something, I, I want to do it well. I'm a fan of excellence, not perfection. Yeah. Somebody said, and I think this is so smart, um, in the pursuit of perfection, you find excellence. Yeah. And I have struggled in the past with perfectionism and mm, trying to be liked and people pleasing. There's, that's another day, another podcast. But I, I really thought this, if I can challenge myself in these ways, if I can do this in this period of time, that will give me another series of confidence to do some stuff that's outside of my own comfort zone and outside of the box for me. And it really does. I mean, you do, when you do something you never thought you'd do or never could do, and you do it and you succeed, your confidence to do those types of things skyrockets. You, you build a baseline for more and better and bigger things. So pageant day, how many women are there on pageant day? Mm, oh my goodness. I can't even remember. So there's 20, a 200,000, yeah, yeah. 20. Well, there's, there's a bunch of different categories. So, you know, um, there's the, there's the adult and then there's the teen and then there's the young kids, you know, so there's, there's all, it's a big production. Oh my goodness. It's a big production. And, and is it just minutes? The Minnesota adults, was it just in that particular pageant that you were in it? Is it just women from Minnesota or you said international? So is yeah. there other people from outside the state there too? So it's called international because you compete in your state and then you go, if you win your state, you go to an international pageant. So when I went to the inner, when I won state and then went to, I think it was in West Virginia, uh, they host it in different places all, all over the place. That particular year, it happened to be in the U.S. in West Virginia. And women from all over were there. Women from Russia, Asia, um, you know, Eastern European countries, Scandinavian countries. There were, ki there were kids um, from everywhere, but there were also adults from all over the world. And I ended up placing in the top 10 in the international as well, uh, which was, I mean, again, it was a huge disappointment to me because I'm like, I'm there to win. Same right. thing. I'm here right. to win. I'm not here to make friends. I'm not here. Right. But the experience, but you end up meeting the most incredible women firefighters, you know, meteorologists, scientists, doctors. These are a group of smart women. Again, I think because that international um, pageant system draws a different genre of women, yeah. very accomplished business women. It's not about the looks. You have to bring to the table. You have to prove that you have done something in life, yeah. you know, that has been a substantial contribution to your community and beyond. So I do appreciate it for that reason. And did it open, uh, did it do what your friend originally said six months prior? Did it open doors for your yes. real and your cause? Absolutely. Oh, it did. And it, again, that was the delight of it all. I, I didn't know if that was actually going to be a thing. But when I started getting phone calls, can you come and speak? Can you be the keynote speaker at? Can you do the graduation address? What? Yeah, yeah, yeah. sure. So I, I was able to do all, make, gain new headway into new genres with schools um, and colleges and helping to cultivate more expansive groups and advocacy for autism. But Sam, it was after that then, that was first, then the year after I fulfilled all of my obligations in the title, and there are many, mm -hmm. um, right at like a month later is when I decided to launch the business. But I'll tell you what's so interesting. It's, it's divine timing on all of it. It is divine timing. I wrapped up that year successfully, handed the crown well, I got to keep my crown, but handed a crown off to, you know, the crown. Next, not the, the one I won. You're not getting the one I won. I worked hard for this. 
Um, yeah, so uh, I handed off a crown, um, successfully released that, but it had gained me access into other groups and schools that were doing work with kids with autism. And so I immediately started having meetings because I was Mrs. Minnesota International. They knew me, they knew my name, they knew my platform, and they were more than willing to sit down and start talking about how to create an adult program. There's lots of kids programs, now we need something for adults. So divine timing on it all in that way, just, just the way me being introduced to you was totally divine timing in the podcast thing. Because I knew I needed to do something. I needed a creative outlet. There's a message I wanted to give to people. I wanted to sow seeds of hope and encouragement and laughter and levity and expansion into people's lives. And boom, it was that perfect timing where I found out about you, was amazed by your work, and was able to really learn a ton from you and the work that you've done over the years with your own podcast and helping others. It's just, it's I'm so grateful. I'm grateful and I'm also appreciative. Yep. I think those are two different things. I'm truly coming from a heart space of, wow, this is amazing. Thank you so much. Yeah. No, I love it all. The whole story. Um, I mean, man, we covered a lot. I'm, I'm a little bit tired only from just thinking of everything that we've covered and how much work went into all of that. I love that Mrs. Minnesota story. I just think that is from a preparation to a commitment standpoint and the doors that opened ultimately the big win was that you got this new platform to really advocate for your message that you're really passionate about. And all the thousands of individuals that are going to be impacted by that one decision, not all the other ones we talked about that you've done, but just the Minnesota. I wanted to bring it up. It's a very interesting story, but it has a great outcome to it as well. The the doors that that opened to help you get your message out there. And now you've got the podcast, which is going to open a whole bunch of other doors for you as well. So I just want to congratulate you on all of that. I mean, it's, it's like you've lived six lifetimes already, you know, and that's how it feels sometimes, honestly. And we haven't even scratched the surface. I know that's what I'm saying. It's like, (laughs) we're we're coming up on an hour and it's like, you just barely said hello, but the audience is going to benefit from this because there's going to be snippets in there for a lot of different people for where they currently are in life from you being on the highway, trying to get to the next exit We've all been on our highway just trying to get to the next exit, to being an advocate for not just your one son, but your four children, for going through the two marriages, you know, the anxiety, the panic attack, building the business. Here comes the wins, you know, building three centers, now a fourth, launching your podcast. And oh, by the way, the successful broadcasting career. I think to sum it up, just from this listener's perspective, my own perspective, is you never give up. You, you, don't like you, you have crashing loads like every human being does on the planet, mm-hmm. but there's something just about you. Like you don't give up. And if I'm listening to this podcast back, I, that's not all of it applies to me. Cause I'm not going to be in a Mrs. Ohio pageant, for example. Okay. <laughs> you never know. You probably <laughs> <laughs> not that you'd want to, just saying. <laughs> but I really resonate with and your vulnerability look you didn't have to share this stuff okay but you're when you say you want your podcast to be authentic when people listen to this particular interview they get that like it's obvious that you're not here to you know pull down the curtain only on certain aspects and open it up on different ones so i want to thank you for being on the podcast um i think it was amazing i love your story i know the audience is going to love your story for all the listeners out there 
couple things. You can just type into iTunes or Spotify, Stephanie Stevens, uh, or you can just go to the Stephanie Stevens show on uh, wherever you download podcasts. Plug into it, listen to a few of our episodes, subscribe to it. Um, you're going to vibe with a lot of that content because we're all on this journey, man. You know, we're all on this journey. So, Stephanie, thank you for being on the podcast. See, thank you so this much. wasn't so hard, right? I mean, this was, was so easy. So fun. It was yeah. so fun. Yeah. Thank yeah. you so much. I'm so grateful. No, my pleasure. Uh, and congratulations. You're inside of our mastermind, so I will see you very soon. Uh, yes. No, uh, no doubt about that. Um, but other, uh, I think all the other, uh, everybody else listening, make sure you find Stephanie online with her podcast. Give it a listen and subscribe. Stephanie, I will see you uh, inside our podcast mastermind. Yeah. Thanks so much. You're welcome. And that's a wrap. Another Everyday Saturday podcast in the books. Thanks so much for listening. Would you do your boy a favor? Would you get on iTunes or wherever you listen to the Everyday Saturday podcast and leave a rating for the show? It helps amazing people like you find the show faster. And that's what I'm looking for. Amazing people like you. Hey, I'm always hanging out on the interwebs. You can check me out on Instagram at Every Day is Saturday. Let me know you're listening to the show. Love, 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 love hearing from fans of the Everyday Saturday podcast. And one last thing, when you're ready to launch, get on my calendar. Go to launchwithsam.com. You and I are going to work together to set rocket fuel to your dream. Are you ready? Let's do it. I'll see you on the next Every Day is Saturday podcast.